dishing out what they call banter and repartee. TC and Jake have become, in two short years, the most listened to rock and roll morning show in the entire Southwest. So this is already being hailed by many, you know, widely seen as the best episode that we've ever done. And for that reason, I would like to keep it fairly contained, laser focused on the one topic we have, because it's going to take a while to get through all of this stuff. I have a piece of audio that I'm not going to tell you the length, because if I did, you would tell me I couldn't play it. Okay. Um, so is this all about Chugi? It's about Michael Jackson. Oh, I thought we were going to get a breakdown of my new favorite term chuggy yeah go on apparently the teens now this is already not that laser focused well i do have one other topic i have to introduce as well i was i was saying i want it to be laser focused but you know there's matters to attend to <laughs> outside of the laser i mean well yeah we're doing our best we got a smaller laser next to the main laser okay yeah auxiliary laser apparently mm -hmm. the teen the teens and the uh Gen Zers have a term for uh, for us when something is like. I think they particularly aim it at women, like uh -huh. millennial women. They're okay. using the term chuggy, C H E U G Y. Okay. So like uh, stuff like this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's uh, you know, your the one that my mom has hanging up at the lake is uh come sit on the porch with me the drinks are cold and the friendship is free yeah but uh live laugh love that's <laughs> that kind of stuff yeah they say that it uh in this interview i think taylor lorenz wrote about this of course mm -hmm. that mm -hmm. it's anything that has a very married at 20 vibe <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> or as they call the millennium uh millennial girl bossified you can tell that these people are not from texas because if they were you'd be able to just shorthand this with aggie alums mm -hmm. it seems that primarily the aggie is is the the texas embodiment of the chuggy but i like the term and i want to start using it, it. What, what are does chuggy specifically come from have we determined their their ways are mysterious to us i do believe there was a deep dive of uh, uh there's one girl who started using it with her friend group in like middle school mm -hmm. and now she's high school slash early college and she's a she put the put the word out on tiktok that hey Okay. We need a, a word for something that's a little bit uh, that probably somebody thought was cool in high school, mm -hmm. but they're still kind of going with it. Mm -hmm. It's chuggy. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Learn something. Um, yeah. So, you know, we are and always will be first and foremost a sports podcast. And there's a sports matter that has to be addressed. And briefly, because we've got a lot of Michael Jackson. Um, but. You had a tweet uh, indicating some real anguish over the fact that the Chicago Bears selected Justin Fields with the 11th overall pick in the NFL draft. Was it 11 or 12? It was 11. 11, it yeah. It was 11, yeah. Um, and uh, I just wanted you to know that I hope the anguish is deeper than what you expressed in the tweet because that's what you deserve for all the times you text me pictures of Andy Dalton, motherfucker. <laughs> yeah, no, I do. We got him, bitch! Yeah, and then the, the Cowboys drafted a positionally redundant uh, player one one pick later. Who had raped a young man. <laughs> well, 
I guess technically that that is what you would call that. That is what you would call that. It was not a great weekend. It was not a great weekend at all. I liked it. Yeah, I'm sure you did. It was a great draft for the Bears. Uh, and I, my application for fandom is in the mail. I, uh, you know, we'll consider that seriously. Okay. Um, mm. Ryan Pace did say, though, that Andy Dalton's the starter. So I expect that to be an ironclad assertion that there are no takebacks on. The fact that uh, Nagy was around for the Alex Smith, Patrick Mahomes thing appears to be something that's going to haunt us for quite a while. Yeah. I'm I'm not raising my hopes that uh, we're going to see him first half of the season. I think second half of the season is just going to become so obvious. I don't know. I don't know. We'll see. But, dude, who cares? He signed up for five years. If he fucking kills for four of them, that's pretty good. You ever watch the video? Uh, I can start funneling my favorite Justin Fields content to you now. Please do. You ever seen the video of him and Cam? No. So I think, because like, dude, I know this is lame, but I've carried with me into my adult age my obsession with finding out who the top players in football and basketball are when they're like 15. Yeah. And it was always him. It was always him and Lawrence. They yeah. were always one, two. Like ESPN had Fields one, Rivals and 24 7 had Fields two. Mm-hmm. But they've been the one and two in the country since they were sophomores. Yeah. And there's a video, and this is why it seemed like it would have been kind of cool. But really, now that I think about it, not that cool if the Patriots got him because at one of these, it was a camp. Uh, and Fields, and he's rail thin at the time. He's literally like 15 years old. And he's doing, you know, one of these little like, yes, sir, yes, sir. I want to blah, blah, blah interviews uh, for rivals of 24-7. And like in the middle of it, Cam just mobs him. Hell like yeah. from the side. He's like, this is the dude. He's like, this is the best high school player in the country. He's going to be the best college player in the country. And he's going to be, you know, a big time franchise quarterback in the NFL. He's going to be the one one. And like Cam just like loved him. And he's like hugging him. And he's put like in field is obviously like. I like starstruck by it, kind of. Yeah. You know, he's like real sheepish. It's just a cool video. That's awesome. Yeah. I would like to see that. No, uh, I learned that uh, former quarterback JT O'Sullivan does breakdowns. Have you ever seen those? We had him on. Oh, really? Yeah. That's wonderful. I watched almost every one of the quarterback ones he did in the last like two months. I'm most of the way through because he did Fields last offseason too. So I started at the beginning. I didn't watch that one. Uh, I mean, he did like three of them. He's done seven total. Yeah, and they're like 30 minutes each. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but yeah I, he was like, he was interviewed by a couple different people that I saw. And I was like, you know, this dude is not mincing words at all. Yeah. <laughs> like, he's got some hot opinions. He's got a quarterback, you know, camp and instructional YouTube video. He's a fairly notable high school coach now. We had him on and he was awesome. Just, you know, no bullshit. And he was just like, yeah. To me, it feels like race has a lot to do with this. <laughs> I mean, he just flat out said it. He was taking shots subliminally, I think, a little bit at, uh, or, yeah, I guess that would be the word, at Chris Sims. Um, Yeah, he's a cool dude, that J.T. O'Sullivan. Yeah. No, I mean, you know, I uh, saw his Patreon numbers, and I would say, just keep plugging away. You know, you can get to 1K at some point, bud. He's got like 115,000 YouTube somethings. Be that as it may. <laughs> but nah, we're uh, we're here for the king of pop. 
who did not contractually stipulate that Oprah call him the king of pop. Yeah, no, certainly that's covered. This is crazy too because this is such a big deal. Uh, it was teased on the last episode that like we're not we don't even have time to break down the big man's new revolutionary communication platform. <laughs> what? You don't know? I guess I'm not without more details. Okay, let's just do this real quick. It's already late as late as balls, anyways. Should I shoot it to your text real quick? Yeah, sure. Okay. But you mean George? No, no. The biggest of big men. You need to go to that link right there. I will. Remember it. Yeah. So we've Pulls got up. a uh, we've got a new paradigm that we're entering into here. If mm -hmm. if the liberal tech lords are going to continue to is it not what the heck? I mean it did on my other one. It's just gonna take a second. I don't know. I got two computers in front of me. It's on one of them, but not the one that's hooked into the audio here. Uh yeah, the uh the website is just donaldjtrump.com slash desk. Mm -hmm. Apparently there's been a blog here uh for some time. Uh huh. Where he's basically bringing back his old warmonger Liz Cheney, yeah, who has virtually no support left in the great state of Wyoming. Yeah, that was from today, wasn't it? Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So go down a couple. Uh, the video. There's a yeah, video. His video. it's his first video content. This dropped and yesterday. Him and those who supported him in the Senate to the trash of history. Twitter permanently banning the commander in chief's personal account with 88 million followers. Tight shot of Mar-a-Lago. Mm -hmm. Beacon of freedom arises. A place to speak freely and safely. Straight from the desk of Donald J. Trump. He's back. So, so yeah, he. whenever he it's learned like that he was not going to get back on Facebook or Twitter, he just like, what if I made a website? What if I registered for Blogspot? What if I had a website? <laughs> yeah. And it's like the most basic looking template website you could ever possibly imagine yes but it was being uh you know it was being uh extolled on like fox news is like this is basically it's changing the it's, game yeah, forever presidents have never had websites <laughs> right exactly yeah this is going to be the quibby of presidents just a does total... it have a contribute button no <laughs> it has to <laughs> it does have to and a link to merch <laughs> how much have you bought <laughs> I'm out of that game now. <clears throat> I don't buy that. I'm only going to start rocking my stuff again whenever he announces again. Don't blame me. Don't blame this family. I voted for Trump. Yeah. Hell yeah. That Trump freedom hat goes a bit. I did see that uh, <laughs> there was MAGA hats available for $5 at the airport. Okay. That's a, uh, you know, it's a collector's <laughs> it's item. It's a relative value. He's got how to make America great again playing card set. <laughs> set um, of two. <laughs> yeah. But uh, that's enough of that, dude. Yeah, yeah. We got bigger fish to fry. Decisions to fry. Uh, so I'll just run over the whole thing again real quick. Uh, we talked about this, um, but, you know, I, 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 I like it, it was in the Patreon preview, but I don't know how many people actually listen to the Patreon preview. They probably think, you know, it's not a full episode. So... We were sent a Scott Storch documentary, the producer on Still Dre uh, and, uh, you know, a number of other large hits, a real hit maker for a time there in the 2000s. Absolutely. 
And it was a 20-minute documentary uh, that I immediately popped on and enjoyed quite a bit. Good little doc. And in the documentary, he's talking about him, uh, Scott Storch, learning piano. And an example he gives of one of the steps in his evolution as a piano player is uh, learning how to play one tempo with one hand and a different tempo with the other hand. And the example he gives is Stepping Out by Joe Jackson. Now, Joe Jackson is a white British man, a ginger, no less, um, who uh, had a couple of hits. In I give the- it one year before you can't use that term anymore. <laughs> Possibly. Um, but uh, so he uh, had, a, had a couple hits in the 1980s. Um, and I, that was kind of the song got stuck in my head pretty hard. I've been listening to Stepping Out a lot. It's a delightful little tune. Mm-hmm. Uh, and as I'm like telling Siri to play Joe Jackson over and over, I was thinking about the other Joe Jackson and just, you know, what's his deal? I do that all the time. I just, Wikipedia is a great resource. I'm constantly being like, what's the deal with this? I'm going to look at the Wikipedia page. I mean, I guess that's not that novel. Most people do that. I think I do it more than them, but whatever. It's not a competition. So I'm just smacked on that Joe. And uh, I th- this was definitely a night where Megan and the kid were at Megan's parents' house for some kind of reason. And I was not. And uh, so I'm just hanging out, partying, having a great time. That sounds awesome. Listening to Joe Jackson, reading about Joe Jackson. And I get to the, you know, uh, maybe he wasn't a great dad to all those kids, part of his Wikipedia. And it mentions uh, the kind of the only thing cited or the thing most frequently cited is a 1993 interview that Michael Jackson did with Oprah Winfrey. And I said, I got to see this interview. Yeah. You've been, you've been hitting the, the Oprah content pretty hard. Absolutely. And that's not going to stop. We're just getting started. I love it. Um, (laughs) I found, I saw one the other day that was a husband and wife. This is the show is taped in 88. Uh, husband voted for Reagan or uh, for Bush. Wife voted for Dukakis, and she's just trying to get to the bottom of it. I love it. So maybe Only that's a future episode. Can. Yeah. Um. So this interview, I would expect that some people in the audience were aware of this. It's kind of like the uh, whenever Netflix did the John Demyamuk documentary. I had never heard of the words John Demyamuk in my life, uh, but. It was a giant story. It's obvious enough. There's other examples of this. Documentaries of things where where they're pulling, like it's Peter Jennings talking about shit, you know? So Who is that? <laughs> Peter Jennings? No, no. Uh, the oh, Nazi the Cleveland, Cleveland. guy. Yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. Um, yeah, I watched, uh, I think I watched that whole thing, but yeah, there you go. It's pretty good. Uh, I think it was called The Devil Next Door. Yeah. That's the Netflix documentary. But there's been a lot of documentaries where clearly the entire world cared about at the time, but it was a couple years before I was born, or it was whenever I was very young, uh, and so it went totally over my head, and I didn't learn about it till later. So it's, you know, you don't want to say that this stuff's, like, hidden, or how how come no one knows about this? Because obviously a million people knew about it. Um, but it's new to me. I didn't know that Michael Jackson sat down with Oprah in 1993. I didn't know that that was his first televised interview in 14 years. From 1979 to 1993, he did not appear on television, like, talking to someone, and then invites Oprah to his home live. Yeah. And... It's shocking. You can tell it is quite live. Yes. Uh, a fire alarm goes off. Mm-hmm. They have to go to break. 
I've been there. And I really wondered if, like, I, I would be interested, because there were forums back then in 1993. Like, it was, it, it Nascent, was a but yes. tiny segment of the population on them, and they certainly weren't as supercharged with weirdos as today. Uh, but mm. in its own way, I, I don't know. I think that like the, to be early adopter forum, I could see that going either way. They're definitely nerds. They're, you know, the, nowadays there's no stigma around using a computer. <laughs> yeah. But we can remember one in our lifetimes. Sure. And so it's only those people. But it was, I, I view them as a fairly mild mannered sort. The early forum poster. Yeah. Well, just the, I mean, the early forum poster and the early internet user, it's just one circle of the Venn diagram. That's true. Like, if you knew how to use the internet, then you were probably on all of it because there were only three websites. Uh, so, you know, I, I think that it's, it seems clear enough to me in my using experience that things have gotten darker as we've gone along. But yeah, so, uh, I, I don't know if on the forums the people were getting into this, but I think that if today it happened, there would be a... I could see, like, conspiracies around the fire alarm. Like, why were they doing it? Was someone breaking in? Uh, was this staged to make it look like it was live when, in fact, it wasn't? I didn't think about that, but you're definitely know. right. Yeah. I mean, now, like, if there's a wide-lens photo... Of the, the I mean, that photo was insane. <laughs> it's insane for sure. But I mean, immediately, dude. I mean, I gotta sober up. Yeah. So you're right. Pretty much anything that becomes big news now. I mean, I don't remember what any of the ones around, uh, around the royal the royal family interview was. But I'm positive there were people that were like, "This or that is staged here, fake here. This is why she did this." Uh, when Ellen would like do her show from home, people were decoding the symbols in the background as being. Well, that's probably just accurate. <laughs> Maybe. Um, but yeah, so, you know, before we totally dive into the interview, I wanted to talk some about the Joe Jackson stuff because I, I am very drawn to him. I, I might go read a, I might fuck around to read a biography at some point here because I started to talk about this with a friend. And uh, we quickly devolved into a, a you know, bit of an argument over a matter I would like to uh, get your take on. Um, but what I was saying is I think that most people, I think pretty much everyone is trying to be remembered. Basically, we're born knowing that we're going to die and we're terrified of it. And you can't cheat death. But if you're really desperate, the best thing you can do is attempt to make an impact so that you will be remembered once you die. And I think that is a calculus that all of us have inside ourselves. And some people give up on it, you know, like they just kind of see like, well, it's pretty tough from here. You know, I think that everyone tries to be remembered by their family and that's good. You know, I support that. But I think it is... The goal of every human to be the most remembered. Yeah, I don't, I mean, I guess I'd like to see the rest of your case here because, I mean, that's probably to an extent how, let's just use the, what's the rule on the internet for when you do this? Probably Hitler. 
is the most remembered? Well, I think it certainly no small part of his calculus was people are never going to forget this. From yeah, a, no, I was a personal. Uh, that's kind of how like I like uh, whenever like I, the Chapo did a thing about George H.W. Bush. And before that, they were talking about the Bush family. And I think it's like the great grandfather is the first Yale skull and bones Bush. And just thinking about that guy. And I, th- I think that that was the one who like did do banking for the Nazis. Uh, Yeah, I, I believe that's the case. Yeah. And just thinking about like whenever I whenever I look at someone like that, obviously my first reaction is to recoil in horror. But the more I think about, it, and I don't ever move past that. I you know I I my reaction to this day remains that's a horrible thing to do. He's a terrible person. Like the problem with humanity is people like that. That's what I believe. But mm. if I'm trying to think about this in a multifaceted way, if I'm doing the debate trick of if I did have, to, if I were, were assigned the other case, the other side of this case, how would I do it? Th- that's got to be why he's doing these things, right? Is he's like, I want this family name to mean something. I'm terrified that I am going to die. I know that I will. And what the fuck am I going to do between now and then? Like, how will I fucking, you know, I mean, it's the, <laughs> I think of the two mice in the bucket of cream from uh, Catch Me If You Can, Christopher Walken's speech of, you know, that the the one mice drowned, the other one just kept on churning his legs until he turned it into butter. Like, I'm going to churn my legs until it's fucking butter. And, like, if I got to fucking do banking for the Nazis to turn it into butter, then it's going to be goddamn butter. There's no other options here. Yeah, I mean, Again, listen, I, I understand what excuse. you're saying. I understand what you're saying. I just, I guess I think there's a... I think there's a level of incorporating your kids into your churn that seems beyond the pale to me yeah yeah no i i don't think that you should uh do banking for the nazis <laughs> um but yeah so i mean you know i just think it takes a special type of of psychopath to really not even like have a couple incidents where you do something that could negatively harm them but essentially raise them in general in a way that you know is going to create some pretty serious damage to them psychologically because you want to be remembered. That's a lot. Yeah, for sure. But oh, it also, yeah, no, it worked. The, if that, if the that things was your, that people do in service of it are terrible, awful things as we're demonstrating. And the, the point my friend was making back to me was that, uh, you know, that's not a well-adjusted thing. Like basically Joe Jackson is hungering for strangers to think better of him than, than his kids do. There you go. And that that's fucked up. Like, and so you got to be broken on some level. Regular, non-broken people don't do that. They're just like, I hope my wife loves me. I hope I'm a good son. Yeah. And, you know, all those strangers out there, whatever, that's their thing. And that's not really where I come down. I I, I think that we are all scared of death, and I think that we all do have a sense that the way to escape it is to be remembered. And I just look at Joe Jackson, born in Arkansas in a town that essentially doesn't exist anymore because it's such a fucking, you know... A zit on the ass of America. Mm-hmm. Uh, grows up, his parents get divorced, his mom goes to Chicago, his dad goes to California. Uh, he goes with his dad until whenever he's about 18, his dad uh, marries another woman and is like, yeah, actually, I'm kind of starting this other life and having some other ladies' kids around here, she's not going to like that. How about you just fucking fuck off? 
uh, goes to Chicago, and not even Chicago, uh, you know, real Chicagoans will understand East Chicago, Indiana is one of the most desolate places you can pass through. Is that near Geary? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, just... Oh, yeah, because that's where a lot of them are from, right? The Jacksons are yeah, from yeah, Geary. There you yes. go. Uh, and just, if you've ever experienced the Indiana, Chicago suburbs, I only know them from, like, driving through them to Notre Dame games, but it th- I don't get a happy sense when I'm going through this fucking row of smokestack after smokestack. I only know them from the very early Freddie Gibbs videos. The whole thing looked like a super fun site. <laughs> it probably fucking is and you know he was also he grew up during a pretty rough time no matter where you lived to be black in america yeah so i'm sure some of that created again his own psychological trauma yeah and, and spending I can't his really, first several years in arkansas yeah i bet that they were a little the more vicious than the northern indiana yeah um but yeah so uh you know, he he does all that. Uh, Joe Jackson uh, aspires to have a boxing career, tries that out. Um, it's a Mary's, great boxing name. It is. It's an exceptional boxing name. Marries a woman uh, whenever he's 18 or 19, uh, annuls the marriage within a couple months, marries another woman, uh, has a number of kids by her, and just in order to support the kids, works as like a crane operator in one of the steel mills or whatever. Because uh, that's, you know, that's uh, Rudy, the, that, that steel mill kind of shit. That's the sort of thing that he's he's in, right? Like that's yeah. the same general part. I mean, I think that Rudy's on the Illinois side, but whatever. Uh, and so he's working a couple steel mill jobs, got these kids, realizes the kids can sing, and is just like... It's over from there. How about if I just fucking abuse the shit out of them until they're perfect dancers and singers? Then everyone will know who fucking Joe Jackson is. (laughs) And he did it. Yeah. Do you know how many other people in fucking Indiana, America, the world that had that same drive, that same impulse of shit, this is going to be awful when I die. It's the most bleak thing I can possibly imagine. I'm going to have to fucking churn, churn, churn. And the rest of them all got beat by a fucking dude from nothing, nowhere. And you don't know his name. You don't know the other guy's name. Yeah. Yeah. No one's ever fucking heard of all those other people who had a much better chance than Joe Jackson of achieving what Joe Jackson achieved. And he achieved it by being a terrible person. And this is uh, the kind of stuff that I'm fascinated in. You know, I mean, I, I liken it. Bob Knight springs to mind of just what is the cost of greatness, right? Uh, Tiger's dad seems somewhat yeah. similar. Uh, there's a lot of examples of this kind of thing. And I don't think it takes a brilliant psychologist to figure out how I ended up wondering... Does it take abuse to make people great? <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm looking back at my high school experience and saying, do they need to do that? Because I think that where I come down is you clearly don't. Uh, Madonna's dad didn't fucking beat her until she danced right. She just wanted to learn how to dance. Yeah. You know, there's a million examples of people who were successful without a Joe Jackson-like figure in their lives. And then obviously... Vice uh, versa, right? Like your Marinovich stories. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That for everyone who thinks that they're making a Michael Jackson, it turns out the kid can't really sing and you just fucked up his whole life. Yeah. Good luck on that. Uh, but yeah, and I, you know, I, you do 
look at him dancing whenever he's like eight and wonder if you could specifically do that. Yeah, I mean, it's always uh, it's always shocking when you see uh, there's a ton of Jackson Five footage in here when he's seven, eight years old, and it is I don't know I don't know how many seven and eight year olds you've been around, but it is absolutely remarkable that this human being was this talented as a second grader, like. It's really tough to wrap your head around when you're actually watching him and hearing him when he's seven, eight years old. It's mind-blowing. And yeah, don't know that you get there that early with <laughs> without some negative inputs. The amount of practice it takes to be that good yeah. is mind-boggling. Yeah. And I, there are people who do want to practice that much, but... They're fucking rare, and I don't think that the Jackson children were necessarily them without someone demanding it. No, and how do you know, right? How do you know what a seven or eight year old really wants, anyways? Yeah, like to say that, like, oh, there's a lot. Maybe there's lots of people who want to practice that much at seven or eight. No, I don't know about that, man. I've been thinking a lot about your Willie Cauley Stein interview. Yeah. What he said in there, because I, I've definitely and probably will tend to shade towards letting the kid figure it out. But hearing him say. You know, they let me figure it out, and as a result, I don't know near as much basketball as I could. And I really wish that they had said, obviously, you're good at this. How about I'm an adult who understands long-term consequences better than a child does, and I give you some guidance that you should practice more? I think in the in the long run, I think somebody like Willie's probably going to end up, while he doesn't, while he knows now that he probably could have been so much more as an athlete, despite the fact that he was drafted six overall, he's made a ton of money, and he's in the NBA – I also think that like there's a chance that long term post retirement he's reflecting on this and he's actually happier that and when it all comes out in the wash cuz he seemed like a guy with a good perspective on life whereas he, Michael Jackson's one of the most fucked up people that's ever lived. Yeah, I mean even like Michael Jordan. Yeah. Like I don't think Mike, Michael Jordan does not seem like a happy person to me. <laughs> no. Like at all. And Michael Jordan's dad was an asshole to him. Yeah. He, maybe not quite to this degree. I don't think it was in the same practice tirelessly way. Right. It, it was seemed more like just like more a, of a, talking shit to him all the time. Yeah. And just <laughs> didn't seem to like it. And like it, that it was, I'm going to have my own drive to practice because if I do it, then maybe my dad might yeah. love me. Right. So I don't know. I, I don't think a lot of people who go through either one of those two scenarios come out all that emotionally healthy. Yeah. But so he sits down to this interview with Oprah. Uh, as I watched it, I watched the whole thing and then read about it afterwards. Um, so I've immediately suspected that the reason he's opening up now is that that's probably around the time that the allegations of child abuse, uh, child molestation started. And, and what was it? I was wrong about that. Okay. There had not been one whisper of him uh, abusing kids prior to this interview. And I do think it was within a couple of years, but that's not what's going on. No one has, no one in America except for, you know, maybe the kids. I don't know exactly when he started all that, uh, has anything in their mind about that. So, see, I even wonder about that though, because like when we were watching that documentary, it struck me as odd that because I do think he was already like, and he talks about it some in here, like he, he was, does. He was hanging out with kids, and 
maybe not like we didn't know that he was maybe traveling with them and like staying with them or having them bend over while he jerked off. But I mean, I'm positive people were already. I mean, maybe he like, built the fucking park in his house. So it, it's it, that's what was so shocking to me about that documentary is because I'm like, and I was part of this too, except I was like eight or nine. We just made jokes about Michael Jackson and kids forever, but it was almost like it was just a punchline. It was like everybody knew that it was happening, but it wasn't seen as like the focus of his persona almost because he was awesome. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And it was just, it's weird, man. And then like it just. So yeah, I think there's something to that. And the stuff that does come up, it's clear. And this is my memory of him. I mean. You know, I was born in 1986, so by the time I remember anything, it's 91, 92, 93. Except for one thing. <laughs> That's right. Um, <laughs> we should bring that up more. <laughs> <laughs> we can talk about it as much as you want. Um, but uh, so I, I re- like all the stories they go over in here, I remember pretty much all of them. I didn't know where they came from. I guess that they were all something that was written in tabloids. I never saw the tabloids once. It's just there was some kid on the playground. Yeah, was like, exactly. You know he's got the elephant man's bones, right? Yeah, exactly. And there was constant chatter like that. Yeah, or, you know, I, I mean, it was still in the era while it's not like the 40s. I don't think it's possible for someone to be as popular as Michael Jackson was in the late 80s and early 90s today. There was still like somewhat of a monolithic culture so that like I remember my parents talking to friends or like my aunts and uncles about Michael Jackson. Sure. (laughs) Because he was the most famous person on earth. Yeah. And there were tabloid stories about him. So it was a big deal. Like, we, you know, we didn't have... The fragmented nature Justin of celebrity. Justin Bieber will never no. come anywhere no. in the neighborhood no. of this kind of fame. No. And I also no think... No one will. I, I think I attributed some to his media strategy, which you absolutely could not pull off nowadays. And I think that the fact that they had him go 14 years without interviews is a brilliant stroke. Yeah. The way that... Because they, they show you know clips of people at his concerts bawling and losing it and i think that you on some level can only do that if you make yourself an empty vessel people can pour themselves into yeah they can fill in the gaps themselves that the more you fill in the gaps for you the more you're creating possibilities that they're identifying you as someone who's different than them if you tell them nothing about yourself except that you're badass at singing and dancing they're automatically going to say he's just like me. Yeah, for like for example, like on the race issue, by never talking about it, people could just assume, well, maybe he does like really care about issues facing black Americans. Yeah. I don't know, cuz he never said he didn't. Yeah. But like if he was being interviewed, if he were being interviewed every 2-3 years, eventually probably somebody would have figured out like, I don't know. I don't know if this guy really even thinks he's black at this point, you know? I don't know what to think about that after the interview, but we, we'll certainly get to that. Okay. Um, yeah, so I I wonder how much it's his decision to not do an interview for 14 years. I kind of wonder if his team is looking around and saying, one, this is a great idea to not give anyone any biographical information and just let them kind of fill in the gaps. Two, he seems pretty uncomfortable with this stuff. 
And three, I'm not trying to be cruel, but I think that there's several instances in this where I look at it and he came across to me as a pretty simple guy. Yeah. I, I don't think that you were going to like him more if he talked more. No, I don't think so either. Yeah. I mean, I think he he had, in more ways than one, the mind of a nine-year-old. Yeah, yeah. And why would he not? Yeah. No, it, 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 if he just sings and dances and shuts the fuck up, <laughs> we're all going to make a lot of money. Yeah. And they did. Um. So, yeah, this uh, this interview happens before any of the allegations. The, the public image of Michael Jackson is a guy who's a little bit weird, I guess, but made Thriller bad and dangerous in the last six years, I think, something like that. Um, Oprah, obviously, really big deal. Uh, this interview gets 90 million viewers worldwide. Jesus. In the United States, you want to guess the share? I don't even know where to start, like near Super Bowl numbers. It's just short of Super Bowl. 56% of the televisions in the U.S. <laughs> that were on were watching Oprah talk to Michael Jackson. Wow. Um, so, yeah, here's, uh, here's how the show starts. He's like, he dances good. And when he was a little boy, he was singing so cool. I grew up with his music, and um, I think he's extremely talented. This kid does a little bit of everything. He's just so different, so unique in his style. And it's his kind of silhouettes of someone okay, that looks like Michael. He's just himself, you know? People would die for him. <laughs> like, you see all those pictures of people all crying and trampling over each other just to get a glimpse of him. I think he's the ultimate live performer. I don't know how anybody can dance like that. He's a great singer. I love him. He's a genius. He's the king of pop. The man is just tremendous. And I'm in my 70s and I love him. So you can imagine what my teenagers do. He's always been the greatest in my book. I think he's, you know, a gift to people who love music. I just wish that he would uh, just kind of take down his, his walls and just kind of show the world who he really is. Good evening. I'm Oprah Winfrey. Amazing. Yeah. And a she's stunning like, document. And she's like, I don't know, in some sort of a living room, den, entertaining area, and she's just ready to go. Yeah. And, and uh, he's not in there yet. No, no. She's she's in Neverland. It's just her. Uh, she's got a little video package that she wants to play. Um, but before they play the video package, uh, she she sets up the I'm at Neverland this way. Michael Jackson's home is nothing like anyone would expect. I thought there were going to be a few llamas roaming around the living room and maybe some uh, chips jumping around. Don't get me wrong, I was uh, dead wrong. There are plenty of mind-boggling areas on this 2,700-acre ranch, which you'll see during the next 90 minutes. But where Michael Jackson eats and where he sleeps and where he lives is quite simply a beautiful home. There is a library here filled with leather-bound classics. <laughs> artwork on the walls. Not at all what we thought we'd find. It's what not, did you uh, think you'd find? <laughs> well, llamas and chimps only. I guess. <laughs> You'll never believe this. He knows how to read. <laughs> and he's rich and bought the expensive books. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't tell. The, it it kind of looked to me like the painting that was hanging behind them was a painting of him. 
Cam Newton style. <laughs> yeah. And like, is it weird to be like, he's so cultured. He has paintings of himself. <laughs> I mean, I think that he did. He talks briefly about Michelangelo at one point in the interview. Uh, so I painted the know, 16th chapel. <laughs> I'm sure that, uh, you know, he, he has his, uh, his interests or whatever. So what are, what does it look like now? Neverland? Yeah. I have no idea. I know it got sold, but someone else owns it. I'm pretty sure. Let's see. As of May 2016, jointly owned by ja- the Jackson Estate and Colony North Star, okay. it was put up for sale by Sotheby's with an asking price of a hundred million dollars. Mm-hmm. Due to lack of interest, by 2017, the price had fell to $67 million. I, I'm seeing now. <laughs> Bought it. <laughs> Good God, dude. Do you see this? Who is this guy? <laughs> Ron Burkle's the fucking Epstein Clinton dude. Oh, wow. <laughs> what the fuck? Wait, are you sure? Yes, dude. He's a grocery store. Okay, magnate. that's right. That's right. That's right. That was on Air Fuck One. Yeah. With, with Epstein and Clinton. That's amazing. Wow. That's uh, He's like, that's just two on the nose. You're telling me there's a property with an amusement park already built in? I'm sold. <laughs> and a chamber for, for children? Let's do it. Jesus Christ. I didn't know he was part owner of the Penguins. That seems bad. Yeah, I mean. I guess I don't know anything. I, I haven't uh, looked into it extensively, but I'd probably prefer that he be in jail. Yeah. Wow. It seems like an appropriate place. Humanitarian trips with Bill Clinton on Epstein's private 727, the Lolita Express, <laughs> a.k.a. Air Fuck One. That's awesome. Jesus Christ. <laughs> was not expecting that tonight. Look, it was a bargain. Um, it was down to $31 million. Got to do it. But yeah, you know, I, I thought that first clip spoke to what I'm talking about, about him being an empty vessel. Like, how how do all those people say those things unless they have a construct in their mind of Michael Jackson that has no connection to reality? Because yeah. they don't know the reality. Yeah. Um, and just like, I, I don't know. I, I mean, I guess I'm sure that Justin Bieber fans say similar stuff. That's probably true. But I don't know. In... in I had some questions about like how they put it together. Like it sounds like a man on the street kind of thing where you're stopping people uh, being like, give me two seconds on Michael Jackson and then doing the best ones. But it's such clean audio. I kind of wonder if Oprah like it, it would be wild if she put out an ad or something. It was like, come to this recording studio and take two seconds. Tell us what you think about Michael Jackson. I figure probably like the weeks leading up to it, she would just have people in the audience yeah, that's probably what it is. Do it, but yeah. I, I don't know. I it was, was very I was clean. Thinking about how to put it together, <laughs> and, uh, it was interesting. But yeah, so they they have this uh, uh, montage of clips of him from when he was very young. Uh, you know, they, they've got the Motown audition that was filmed, and they they play the video there. Uh, you know, a lot of television appearances of him singing and dancing with his brothers, and they play. This is a two second clip, or it's actually it's literally six seconds. Uh, that I, I cut off because I just couldn't believe that someone asked this question on television. What's going to happen when your voice changes? Just change. You're going to be able to stay singing? Yeah. yeah. What the fuck? That's certainly in my notes here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, 
I think it's really, really odd. And I would say that it's a singular incident. Uh, but then I saw all these clips, and I do want to get back to this, but I saw these clips this morning of uh, Brian Kilmeade from Fox and Friends. Uh-huh. And uh, they had like three 10-year-olds on this morning to talk about going back to school. So has your dick gotten bigger, son? The last year of not being at school. And one of the kids they had on was like, uh, well, you know, I mean, I'm excited to be going back. And uh, I think our new president has handled this well. 10 years old, 11 years old. Mm -hmm. And he's like, uh, I think if our last president were still in charge, we wouldn't be to the point where we're about to go back. And Kilmeade's like, yeah, that's interesting because the last president was actually saying you guys should have been back months and months ago. So I'm not really sure how you can make that point. So uh, over to God, that rules, dude. And I Please swear to God, I didn't really want to deal. Yeah, I didn't want to deal with the mentions, but like I was very close. Just because I'll just say it here: if you just turned cable news across the ide- ideological spectrum into blowhards just fucking dunking on bad opinions of fifth graders <laughs> on the world, and that was the quad box, like yeah. no more. No more, uh, you know, James Carville, whatever. Like, just put shitty-looking 10-year-olds up there with AirPods on and be like, yeah, I think your facts are wrong, dumbass. <laughs> Maybe check it. I would like a like a six-person panel where one of them's a 10-year-old and the other five are like, look at this fucking idiot. <laughs> okay, that's even better. Yeah, that's even better. But, yeah, that is kind of what this made me think of is like – you're on television. You're probably 45, 50 years old, and you're asking a seven, eight, nine year old. So, what's going to happen when your voice changes? You think, what, you probably have to kill yourself, right? I mean, your career's <laughs> over. Certainly, no one's going to care about you anymore once you lose. Son, are your... you afraid of death? Yeah. I mean, and I guess, yeah. I would think like that's where the parent steps in and they're like, hey, what? It didn't that's seem cool. like Joe had a problem with any of the interviews. No. Yeah, no, uh, it just, whenever you see the actual footage, uh, he just looks so young and to have this old adult be yeah. like, you know, this is all going away, don't right. you? Right. <laughs> Live it up now. I guess it'll just change. I don't know. And uh, stupid fucking idiot. He made Thriller when he was a full grown adult. Yeah. What did you do, dumbass? Yeah. And yeah, so. Oprah opens with, you know, a couple, like, they have him walk in, like, he has a staged walk in, they're playing Billy Jean as he's going through his own house, uh, you know, they, they do a, a hug and kiss kind of thing. He's also, like, and I, I remember this from this era of, of Michael Jackson, but, like, he kind of started dressing vaguely like a Central American rebel. Yes. <laughs> like, he had like he took a, over El Salvador in yeah, those clothes. Yeah, he, he started to wear patches. And I love it. And, no, it's, it's awesome. It really is, but it's just it's a it's a an an image. Because the, the Cowboy Super Bowl halftime, he's yeah, got he's, the full bandolier outfit. Yeah, and it's just it's a look that evokes like damn this dude's dangerous but yeah he's him so it's just <laughs> yeah. very funny got a little epilepsy <laughs> yeah um but yeah so oprah asks a couple she starts off with are you nervous he's like no she's like i'm well then good i won't be nervous and you know a couple pleasantries like that but this is essentially the first substantive question that she asks him when i look at those tapes of you and heaven knows that putting this together. I think I've seen every piece of video ever done of you. And watching those tapes, when especially in the younger years, you seem to really come alive on stage. There's something going on with you when you were a little boy on stage. Were you as happy off stage as you appear to be on stage? 
Well, on stage for me was home. Mm -hmm. I was most comfortable and still most comfortable on stage. But once I got off stage, I was like very sad. Really? Yes. And sad from the beginning? Sad since it's first started? Since Lonely, the sad, having to face with popularity and all of that. Uh, there were times when I had great times with my brothers, pillow fights and things, but I was always, I used to always cry from loneliness. You did? Yes. Beginning at what age? Oh, very little. Eight, nine. When you all first became famous? Yes. So she's certainly leading him in a direction with uh, Were You Happy? Mm -hmm. But I really found it remarkable that he hops immediately into Shit Sucked For Me. Yeah. Because I would expect <sighs> that someone like him who has built a career out of deflecting and just like not facing questions. I mean, that, that was kind of what occurred to me is like, I would have expected him to be more practiced in interviews, but he hasn't done one in 14 years. Right. So he just answers most of these questions pretty straight up. Uh, whenever she asks him about Latoya's book, his sister recently released a book that had a lot of stuff about their family. And he deflected that one. Like he, he was immediately like, I haven't read the book. I wish I could talk about it. I love my sister, but I haven't read the book, so I don't know what you want me to say. Uh, and that made me realize, holy shit, we've been talking for 15 minutes, and this is the first time he's tried to not answer a question. The rest of the time, she's like, was that a happy time for you? And he's just like, Oprah, I was crying every night. Yeah, and it's a really weird thing to wade into because I don't, I don't want to provide any level of empathy for him because he was a pedophile. I mean, I have empathy for everyone, dude. But I came away from this, and it starts right there. Feeling, feeling somewhat, you just feel bad. You feel bad for everybody involved. Doesn't mean you don't feel bad for the kids. Uh, but I think it's pretty clear that this person's life was ruined. Yeah. Uh, um, if by ruined, you mean that you're never really all that happy as an individual. And then also, again... Being famous that young and continuing to still to continue to be more and more and more famous to the point where you're the most famous person in the world and the way that the world was working at that time, like I just don't think this person ever had a chance of being normal. Now, how not being quote normal manifests itself doesn't always have to involve child victims, but I mean he gets into the compensation thing a little bit here at some point where he's, you know. Talking about, I didn't have a childhood, so I like being around kids, which is really weird, but always made perfect sense. Yeah, so here, here's him talking a little bit more about what you're talking about. You know, like, he, he touches there on why you said, this is a little more about, like, well, why were you sad? I would do my schooling, which was three hours with a tutor. Then right after that, you know, I'd go to the recording studio and record, and I'd record for hours and hours till it's time to go to sleep. So uh, it'd be nighttime, and I remember... Uh, going to the recording studio, there was a, a park across the street and I'd see all the children playing and they'd be rooting and making noise and I would cry. It'd make me sad that I would have to go and work instead. I wanted to go to this, uh, to hear what Suzanne had to say about your childhood. Sure. And we're going to look at some pictures of you as a little boy. Okay. <laughs> kind of weird. I just love that in because she's weird. Yeah, she is. Oprah's yeah. kind of an oddball. Yeah. Um, 
yeah, so the next clip is the uh, extremely long one, so I, I don't know if you have any more, uh, you know, that you want to uh, say to think about what's going on. No, I mean, I think that just really kind of drove home. Like, that's that's what it is, you know? He knew very early on. I mean, I, obviously, I don't want to, you don't want to use the word slave, literally, but that he had no decision in how things were going to go for him. And... I remember in my own life, the time when that sucked the most was when I was a kid, and I probably had a lot more autonomy than Michael Jackson did. Yeah. But, you know, you're like, man, I can't, none, I don't get to decide shit. I hate it. Whatever yeah. we're going to eat, I don't get to choose. Whatever we're going to do this Saturday after, I have no decision to be made in any regard in life. And, you know, again, comparatively, I probably had a lot more, and he's like actually being told, hey, you have to go work at like 10 years old all day and you're yeah, not on stage. Yeah. And like when they're setting your schedule, they're allowing for some of the stuff that you want to do. Yeah. Like you got to go to the park with your friends. Yeah. You get to play sports or go to practice, whatever. But uh, going to recording studios, and I mean, I'm sure a lot of people know this, um, but I'm not saying that it can't be fun for some people. But like when you're making those type of records, like that shit is not fun. <laughs> like that's not being on stage. That's not touring. That's not being with a band. That's basically being by yourself or with two or three other people for like eight hours. None of them anywhere near your peer group. No. And you're just him. doing the same thing over and over and over and over again for hours on end. And it's not it's not fun. Yeah. There's nothing fun about it. So it's not that surprising that. You know, eventually he was like, I absolutely hate this. But yeah, so the uh, the interview, it's the kind of broken up into halves in my mind that there's the first half that they do in the house. And then he drives her around in a golf cart, which is amazing to see. Yeah. Uh, takes her over to the, the amusement park and then they walk in the theater and, and do a bunch of stuff there. And all that was interesting. I mean, the theater stuff was especially interesting because I don't know if you remember, it was Megan that pointed out to me whenever we were watching this together, but uh, James Safechuck in Leaving Neverland tells a specific story about him and Michael being in that theater with him molesting him and like someone came to the door and it was locked and they were like, why was it locked, Mike? Yeah. Uh, yeah. So he talks to Oprah in, in that the place that yeah. we know he molested kids in. Um, but outside of that, I don't know that there's a lot of that stuff that we would play for you. I, I think that the first half of the interview where they're sitting in Neverland, like the house part, uh, is where we're really getting into it. Yeah. And so this just kind of moves from place to place and I didn't feel like I could cut out any of this. So let's, let's go back to when you were growing up and feeling all of this. Well, I guess it's a sense of anguish, I guess. So there's no, there was nobody for you to play with other than your brothers. You never had slumber parties. You never, never, never. No. So I'm wondering for you, being this cute little boy that everybody adored and everybody who comes up to you, they're, you know, pulling your cheeks and how cute and this child prodigy, really, how adolescence affected you? Because I, I call, you know, adolescence going through that that duck stage where everything's so let me and let me, let me yeah, that was certainly a moment when you started to go through adolescence having been well um i don't know how often in your home these days you're making animal sounds because for <laughs> me it's like a lot constantly yeah and uh you know there's some that i'm like well i really don't know 
you know? Like when she's like, like you can do horse pretty easily, right? <laughs> Which ones don't you know? Well, I guess I'm trying to think like, uh, you know, dog and cat come up a lot. But like, you know, we got the book, yeah. the animal book. And it's yeah. like, uh, you know, what sound is like, we, like we a learned lemur. The, like porcupine. <laughs> okay. I'm like I got, or like squirrel, sound squirrel, squirrel sound. I'm like, I don't, I don't think they make sound. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that kind of works for a lot of them. But my point yeah. is just... General vermin noises. My Exactly. But my point is just, duck sound to me, I've never responded with awk, awk, awk. Yeah. Yeah, I like, think that we one feels all like, settled like, on quack. Yeah, like but I, I think it's closer to what she's saying, like the actual sound. It, you're probably right. You're probably right. There's no actual QU sound. You know that sound. duck stage. Yeah, the duck awk, stage. Awk, awk, awkward. Awk, awk, awk. It sounds like a, a goose. Yeah, yeah, kind yeah. Kind of more than... More, more of a goose. Yeah, but that... I had to double take on that when I heard it. Now, this child superstar. Yeah. Did that have a... Was that a particularly difficult time for you? Very, very, very difficult. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Because... I think every child star suffers through this period because you're not the cute and charming child that you were. You start to grow, and they want to keep you young forever and little forever. Who's they? The public. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, nature takes its course. Mm -hmm. and um, It does. <laughs> and I, I, I had pimples so badly, and it made me so shy. I used to All right. So... This the part that I was thinking of the, the thing I was thinking whenever that particular part was playing was one of the great questions of Michael Jackson's life is did he molest Macaulay Culkin? Would you agree with that? Yeah. And it's all it's often portrayed as because Culkin is adamant now always that he never did. It's seen as a well then maybe these other guys are just making this up because why would you not molest Macaulay Culkin? That's a really weird line of reasoning, but I've heard it before. Yeah. Uh, and I think that based on what he's saying there, it, like that's clearly in his mind, right? Like, I mean, he's saying it, you know, of like the, it's tough not having a childhood. Like he's, he's drawing a connection between, and I mean, of course he is between himself and other child stars. And so, I think that I have no doubt that he went into the Macaulay Culkin relationship, uh, like feeling it out and might, I, I'm just saying that if he had felt in the way that like you or I would with a, a person that we were attracted to, like sometimes you get a no and it's just like, okay. I mean, before you even ask, you know, it's going to be a no, but you're like, this person is still cool. I like talking to her. Like, you know, whatever. Uh, I can have, you know, like we're connecting, on this level, and that's fine. I could see how he would get a ton of mileage out of being able to hang out with 11-year-old Macaulay Culkin without anything else going on. Like, just, he's he's saying that it's a singular, or not, not singular, but extremely rare kind of thing where he feels that it's a shared experience. Yes, I would agree. And there's five people on the planet at any given time that went through it the way that he did, and Macaulay Culkin was one of them. So, I don't know. If I were him, I would just want to talk to Macaulay Culkin constantly. Just because finally someone who gets it. I had not considered that, but that does make sense. I'd look at myself. I'd wash my face in the dark. 
I wouldn't want to look in the mirror. Really? And my father teased me, and I just hated it. I cried every day because of it. it your father me. would tease you about your yes, he would tell me I'm ugly. My father would say Yes, that. he would. Sorry, Joseph. <laughs> yeah. What's your relationship like with him? I love my father, but I don't know him. Mm -hmm. Are you angry with him for doing that? I think that's pretty cruel, actually. Am I angry with Me him? too. Uh, <laughs> Way to step out there. Because adolescence is hard enough without it's a, a parent difficult. telling you that you're ugly. It's very difficult. Uh, am I angry with him? Sometimes I do get angry, yes. I... I don't know him the way I'd like to know him. My mother's wonderful to me. See, like, again, he's not deflecting. Like, he doesn't feel like admitting on national television that he's angry with his dad, but he just fucking does it. I, yeah. That's what makes this so awesome. And, like, he's being extremely honest on all of these. And he's also really coherent. Yeah. Just because I always kind of, like, I think I remembered him as just, like, fucked up all the time. Like towards yeah. the like the last decade of his life, he was just so whacked out that I kind of forgot that even though he obviously he has a different sort of affect and at this point he definitely had already started to look different, but he's not like jacked up. Like he's processing the questions in real time pretty clearly and then giving coherent answers. Yeah. Perfection. I just wish I could understand my father. And so let's talk about these teen years. What... Is that when you started to go inside yourself? Because obviously you haven't spoken to any of to the world for, you know, 14 years, I think is your last televised interview. So you went inside, you became a recluse and that was on purpose. Was it to, was it to protect yourself? Just the number of times that we've had a famous recluse sit down on TV and be asked that question. This might be the only fucking one. J.D. Salinger didn't do any fucking TV interviews. Yeah, it's impossible to be those things at the same time and then also do this. It's, I mean, it, it doesn't exist. It's a stunning document. I keep on saying it because I keep on thinking it. It's amazing this exists. I felt that there wasn't anything important for me to say. You know, those were very sad, sad years for me. And, uh, and why so sad? Because on stage we see you performing, you're getting your Grammys. You're, why so sad? Oh, there's a lot of sadness about my past life and, you know, adolescence and my father and all of those things. It just made me very, very, very sad. So he would tease you, make fun of you? Yes. Would he, did he ever beat you? Yes, he did. Yes. And that he was just fucking answers. Difficult to take. Getting yes. beaten and going on stage and performing. Yes. And why would he beat you? Because he he saw me, he wanted me to, I guess maybe, I don't know if I was his golden child or whatever it was. Um, some may call it a strict disciplinarian or whatever, but he was very strict, very hard, you know, very stern. Mm -hmm. And just a look would scare you, you know. And Were you scared of him? Very frightened. There's been times when he'd come to see me and I would get sick. Yeah, I'd start to uh, regurgitate. As a child or as an adult? Both. Both. Oh. He he's never heard me say this. I'm sorry. Please don't be mad at me. Well, I mean, I, I suppose that everybody has to take responsibility for what they've done in life. And your father is one of those people who also has to take responsibility. But I do love him. Yes, I understand. And I am forgiving. Yes. You know, I don't 
I don't go but around. But can you really shit. forgive? I say this on my show all the time. Can you really forgive if you haven't gotten angry? If you haven't dealt with how you really feel? I don't know if you can go. So I think this is a really important part because that was kind of a journey that I've been going on in the last year or so is when you would ask me about, or not, not you, but like if I was asked about traumatic times in my life, whenever I internally thought about traumatic times in my life uh, growing up, I always, I am drilled to present it from the standpoint of my adversaries, like the people I'm in conflict with. You know, I mean, it's usually my parents. Like that, it took me a long time to even realize that I was doing that, of saying it from their perspective. You know, like I was making it really hard on them. Yeah. You know, like it, it was shocking to me the first few times. What? When I would ask you about it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, but you're just so. All right. That's in order to get through this experience, you. You're only going to have it work for you. You're only going to get to safety if you understand what your purported protectors want from you and you give it to them. And it, there's really no upside in the moment to understanding and being able to articulate your point of view if they're aligned against you, they're going to disagree with it. So just whenever I hear her asking about like, why would he hit you? And Michael's immediately like, he's a strict disciplinarian. That's what Joseph would say to Michael. Yeah, for sure. Is that I'm a strict disciplinarian. What I'm trying to do is instill discipline. He's just a violent fucking asshole, dude. And he immediately chases it with, but I love you. Yeah. I love you and I'm forgiving. Like, he can't present. He's apologizing to Joseph. Yeah. And that's just such a, I don't know, you know, like... And, and then Oprah's right. Like, she's getting at what I'm saying of you can't process these things whenever you're still in your trauma response. Like, you have to, in order to move past the trauma, you have to, like, you know, <laughs> leave the cycle of what you're doing. And he's still so clearly in it. I'm sure was for his entire life. Yeah. Of trying to make it so that it's okay that Joseph did those things to him because he's still so aligned in his mind of his interests and Joseph's interests are the exact same thing because if you're a kid, like, you need your, like, your parent's the only one who's going to protect you. That's that's wired into our brains as humans is that the adult is the protector. And so you've got to serve them whatever they need so that they will agree to continue to protect you. And, you know, like... That's that's not the that's not Michael's truth that Joseph was a strict disciplinarian. What Michael was experiencing was a guy who wasn't in control of his emotions, was, you know, just a giant piece of shit totally out of control you're, who'd had a lot of fucked of. up things that happened to him that he's taking out on his kid. Yeah, so it, it yeah, I don't know. It's uh, <laughs> it's very heavy to, to see the guy who made Thriller talk about it on TV with <laughs> the yeah. talk show lady. But also like I think it's and we can go back to the audio real quick, but I think it's kind of dull. And maybe she knew this and she just wanted to get him talking, but I think it's pretty common that people who, I mean, pop stars, people who live out the only real positive, joyous elements of their life, either on stage or in public, nobody's, I, I almost believe that there's like a zero, like a, a finite amount 
of happiness and joy that a person can experience in a given day, week, or year. And like if you had to do what he was doing, which is basically probably six nights a week for three hours, be like the embodiment of happiness through art. I don't I think it's probably pretty likely that person the rest of the day is not like the cheeriest person in the world. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure it's draining. I've thought about this sometimes in my own life, like just that we exist to like have a really good time and I'm not faking it. I genuinely do. I really like doing the show, but I also like don't really have a desire to do all that much interaction <laughs> yeah. outside of it sometimes. And Three hours of talking is more than most people do in a day. Yeah, yeah, and it's, well, I mean, certainly everybody has to fake their way through, you know, work calls. I would say most people in most of those cases. And so maybe mine's not faking it, but I also do feel like, you do get to the end of it sometimes. And you're just like, I just don't want to see or talk to anybody. I don't want to hear anything. I want to drive home in silence. And then that's like, I don't know, a tenth of a percent. That's probably not even doing it justice of what Michael Jackson in 1993 <laughs> is living through. Yeah, yeah. From having been abused to forgiveness. I... So yeah, the, I just want to reset here. The question that she is asking him is how can you complete the process of forgiving your father if you don't even let yourself feel anger about it? Forgive. There's so much garbage and so much trash that's written about me. It's so untrue. Mm -hmm. They're complete lies. And those are some of the things I want to talk about. The present. So this is the one time I think that he does do slick interview tricks. Yeah. I think that he's done talking about this dad shit. I cannot believe he talked about it as much as he did. He has a reason he granted this interview. He was tired of y'all lying on him. Yeah. And I like I have no idea what one has to do with the other. I'll back it up. The answer is like nonsensical, you know? Uh like her being like, was it, you know, how are you gonna forgive your dad? And he's like, this fucking press. Yeah. Have you see this shit? I'm talking about these you bones. Know, I don't know if you can go from having been abused to Forgiveness. I do forgive. There's so much garbage and so much trash that's written about me. It's so untrue. Mm -hmm. They're complete lies. And those are some of the things I want to talk about. The press has made up so much god-awful, horrifying stories I know. that are completely appalling. I know. Completely appalling. And so far from the truth. And it's made me to realize the more often a person tell a lie, the more times you hear a lie. I mean, you, you, you begin to believe it. Mm -hmm. if, you, if it's told often enough, you start to believe it. And it's, it's appalling the things that have been said about me. And they're completely false. There are so many. I, I normally don't write questions down, but there are so many. I didn't want to, to uh, forget. Break. First of mm, all, very. I have been in this house uh, getting lit and getting prepared for this. And getting I've been lit. all over the house upstairs when you weren't looking, looking for that oxygen <laughs> chamber. <laughs> I cannot find the oxygen chamber anywhere in the house. That that story is so crazy. I mean, it's one of those tabloid things. So they flash up a picture of him. I think I'd heard this rumor. I don't recall ever seeing the picture. Same. Where he's laying in an oxygen chamber. Well, uh, do you want my one one sentence note on this? Sure. Who the fuck cares if he sleeps in an oxygen chamber? Fair enough. Like... Athletes do hyperbaric chambers. I don't even really know what an oxygen chamber specifically is. I just know that the physical demands on this dude's body and the grueling grind of his 
travel schedule interactions with fucking probably more strangers than anybody uh, outside of like, I don't know. Well, really anybody. I was going to say world yeah. leaders, but those people are protected unless they're on the trail away from a couple photo ops. That just seemed like a really weird like thing for him to even be riled up about denying. Like if tomorrow D Magazine ran an article about me sleeping in an oxygen chamber, I would be like, absolutely. Yeah. I would lie the other way. <laughs> yeah. Like, I mean, I like he just thinks it makes him look weird. Yeah, is, and is I, like I think that is it, the upshot of the story because they'll, yeah. they'll get into it in a second. But the the full thing is he sleeps in an oxygen chamber so he can stay young. Like you know, this this is a an older idea of the uh, the blood boy thing. You know, yeah, for like, sure. I'm, I'm never gonna die. And people who yeah, I mean, despite the fact that I'm, I've established that I believe that we're all trying to not die. Um, you know, that's still like kind of seen as like stereotypical insane behavior. But the other thing I would say is I, with a lot of these stories, I think that I would say like, I, whenever I'm looking at them, like, I bet I could just let that roll off my back. Like who gives a fuck? And I mean, none of these people are the people around me that I care about. So if the general public thinks I sleep in a weird bed, whatever, dude, fuck it. But the through line between this and the most recent Oprah interview we've seen is famous people who appear to be like just getting torn apart in- internally because there's lies about them in the press. Like th- that's the the shared part with the Markle thing, you know, like yeah. they, they both seem to be registering it in kind of the exact same way of their lies and the fact that they are lies. Like I just can't get over it and it's really fucking me up. And so I, I think that I'd, I'd like I, I, I would have to look at that and be like, I don't know what it's like whenever people are lying about you in mass like that. But I guess it's harder than I would have thought. I mean, I, and I, I would I would think I could approach it on a case by case basis, but maybe not. Maybe you just look at everything and say it's a lie. So even if it's something cool, <laughs> you're just you're not feeling it. Yeah, that must be it. Uh, it was completely made up. Okay, but there you are in something there. There's a picture of you. Where did that come from? Let's, there, where, how did it get started? I did a commercial for Pepsi. She presses him and I was on all these things. Mm-hmm. And we settled for like a million dollars. And I gave all the money. We- I know inflation. I didn't put it in a calculator. That's insane. A fucking multinational corporation burned Michael Jackson and he settled for a million dollars? And it was just a charity. Yeah. Like, like he just went to, like, it wasn't yeah, even a court case. It was yeah. just his lawyers talked to their lawyers. They were like, what's it going to take for yeah. us to make it right after we burned you? Uh, the company? <laughs> the whole thing? You gotta give I'm me, Michael Jackson. You give gotta, me the Pepsi Navy. Give I me want, the Navy. That's why he was dressed like that. He's ready to be commander <laughs> of the Pepsi Navy. Um, no, uh, the footage I found out was not online until like Us Weekly published it in like 2016. Like it wasn't not only not online, it hadn't been seen by anyone who didn't personally I, know Michael Jackson. I vaguely Jackson. remember that going public. Vaguely. Uh, and yeah, I, I watched it. It's insane. Yeah. Wild. Like it's just the pyrotechnics that they're timed wrong. And so he's walking in front of them and he's still in the range of the fire and he doesn't know it, so he keeps dancing for a while, and then just people pop out of nowhere to like tackle him and put it out. And you can see that it's burned it down to the scalp in a place, like he's got a bald patch on his head. Uh, it's insane. This the 
the amount of things that this man has done for art. <laughs> like, it's really taxed his body in a lot of very visible ways. It's, I don't know. It was hard to be Michael Jackson. Yeah. Built this place called the Michael Jackson Burn Center. Uh-huh. And that's a piece of technology that's used for, for burn victims, right? That. So I'm looking at the piece of technology. I'm touching it, feeling it, and decide to just go inside of it just to hammer around. Somebody takes a picture. When they process the picture, the person who processes the picture say, oh, Michael Jackson, he made a copy. These pictures went all over the world with this lie attached to it. Hmm. It's a complete lie. Why do people buy these, these papers and it's not the truth? And I'm being- What an amazing innovation. I never think about it. The, the fact that we don't have to get photos processed anymore. Yeah. Yeah. That's, like, just uh, some dude at Walgreens. And I mean, it's probably a press photographer, so it's someone who works for the AP or something like that. It's not actually Walgreens. but It always made me uncomfortable. Yeah. It always did. Like, I remember there was a family. I The photo is still around. It's a funny photo. Uh, we were at a wedding, and, like, uh, it was... It was a wedding in Illinois, so the family, we were staying in a hotel um, and uh, had, like, tuxedos for me and my brother, and as we were getting dressed, uh, he put on the bow tie first, so he's just standing there in his underwear with the bow tie, and uh, they snapped a quick photo of him, like, smiling in underwear with a bow tie, and he's, like, five or something, and it's, it's a funny photo, but I... I think that I don't remember if it was like they were consternated about it or if like whenever they went to pick them up, like Walgreens, like pressed them on like, why do you have this? Yeah. <laughs> there was some kind of thing of like, you know, that someone else had to look at this fucking five-year-old. I don't know. It, we're, we're living in a better time in yeah. that regard. You'd rather it be consternation so, than uh, like excitement. Yeah, yeah. Because that got any more of these? absolutely had to have happened. Oh, no doubt. Yeah. You know, do not judge a person. Do not pass judgment on anyone unless you have talked to them one-on-one. I don't care what the story is. Do not judge them because it's a... I've been over this, but uh, I do believe that's true. Mm. Like, do we really need to talk to Hitler one-on-one? I know. I get get it. But I, I do think in a lot of these things, like, we all think we know these people, and I'm I'm positive that we don't. I'm positive, like, you know, I've been on a real... I've been really getting worked up about Tucker Carlson lately. Yeah. And I'm sure that if I... <clears throat> he probably, he's probably great, right? He's not great. But if I went to high school with him, I bet I would have some memory of him where I was you like, you know what? That's what he does. He's got something in him that's all right. Because all the people who I hate most in my life that I actually know, I have some positive memory. That's true. I think it's true if you search it for yourself. Like if you ask yourself, can I say one good thing? About this giant asshole who was fucking terrible to me all the time. I would agree with that, but that's not the same as like not passing any judgment at all. No, nah, you are a weirdo if you buy the elephant man's bones. But <laughs> you know, I I don't know. I I I think that I don't know much about the elephant man, by the way. I don't either. It sounds like old people shit. I think I vaguely looked at the uh, at that Wikipedia page the other day too, but it was really really late. I that story. You're right. That story. It just, it was like it had legs. It's crazy. It is. Why would I want to sleep in a chamber? Well, the the rumor (laughs) was that you were sleeping in the chamber because you didn't want to grow old. And that that was stupid. That's stupid. It's completely made up. And I'm embarrassed. I'm willing to forgive the press and forgive anybody. You know, I was taught to love and Mm -hmm. to forgive, which I do have in my heart. 
But please don't believe these crazy. Okay, okay, let's go down the list. Did you buy the elephant man bones no. when you were trying to get them? That's from? another stupid story. Uh -huh. I love the story of the elephant man. It reminds Weird thing me to say. Yeah, you know, I could relate to it. It made me cry because I saw myself in the story. But no, I never asked for the elephant man. Where am I? <laughs> Where am I going to put some bones? <laughs> Why would I, want to put bones? I don't know, put them in your bone box. So where, did, where did that come from? Someone makes it up and everybody believes it. You hear a lie often enough, you start you hear it enough, you start to believe it. Yes, and people make money selling tabloids. Yeah. All right. Just recently there was a story, and I know one of your attorneys held a news conference. There was a story about um, you wanting to have a little white boy play you <sighs> in a in a, in a Pepsi commercial. <sighs> that is so stupid. That's the most ridiculous, horrifying story I've ever heard. It's crazy. Mm -hmm. He does, I so I believe, if not all, most of his denials. But it is interesting that he just says the same thing about all of them. Yeah. Every single time. It's crazy. Why would I even want to do that? How it's, stupid how, would that be? If, pe if people hear a lie enough, they believe it. Yeah, yeah just, he's just hammering it. Yeah, because the, there was there's one at the end whenever they're sitting on the stage, and she's like, "Oh yeah, I wanted to ask you about this one too." I don't. Even, it was a minor thing, but then he just does it the exact same cadence, the exact same as this, and I'm like, "Okay, he practiced that a couple times, I think." And also, uh, I don't know that I believe him on any of these. <laughs> you think he's got the elephant man's bones like hidden under Oprah as he's saying it? I wouldn't be surprised if he. <laughs> inquired well i've got more to say about that but uh you know it'll be after one of these yeah we'll, 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 that's for later i mean why number one it's my face as a child mm -hmm. in the commercial mm -hmm. me when i was little mm -hmm. why would i want a white child to play me i'm a black american i'm proud to be a black american i am proud of my race i am proud of who i am i have a lot of pride in who i am and dignity that's like you want an, an oriental person to play you as a child does that make sense different no. time so please, people, stop believing these okay, Michael, horrifying then, then stories. Then let's go to the thing that is most discussed about you, I think, is the fact that the color of your skin is obviously different than it was when you were younger. Now and we're so getting into it. I think uh, it has caused a great deal of speculation and controversy as to what you have done or are doing. Are you bleaching your skin? And I kind of feel like this was the defining pop culture question of my life. Yeah. Like as like certainly elementary school, like I just wanted to know so bad. And it turns out he pretty much answered. We'll get to it in a second. Like I had no idea until I saw this. But I've, don't you remember being obsessed? Oh, with, yeah. What the fuck's going on there? <laughs> oh, yeah. He used to be black. Yeah. He's not now? No, it was, uh, you know, it was a very common, commonly discussed playground item. And uh, like a uh, water cooler coffee machine at the office top. I would think so. Yeah. Have, are, is your skin lighter because you don't like being black? Okay, number one, there, as I know of, mm -hmm. there is no such thing as skin bleaching. Mm -hmm. I have never seen it. I don't know what it well, is. Well, they used to have those products growing up. I used to hear always use bleach and glow, but you'd have okay. to have about 300,000 right. gallons. To okay, number one, this is the situation. Yes. I have a skin disorder that destroys the pigmentation of the skin. It's something that I cannot help. Okay, but when people make up stories that I don't want to be who I am, it hurts me. So it is. So. It's a problem for me, okay? I can't control it, mm -hmm. okay? But what about all the millions of people? Let's reverse it. 
Okay. What about all the millions of people who sit out in the sun mm-hmm. to become darker, to become other than what they are? Mm-hmm. Nobody says nothing about that. So when did this start? When? That's that was the point at which I was like, okay, he's, he's kind of a dummy. Yeah. Well, no, I think what it is is that he's lying. Well, no, I I've got this for you, dude. Okay. Uh, whenever he died, his family sued the doctor, but the doctors only got so much money. You yeah. know the way lost the doctor work. was giving him the yeah. fentanyl Conrad, and stuff. Yeah. whatever. Yeah. Um, and uh, whenever you got a lawsuit, it's really helpful if you can tie it to someone or an entity that has unlimited money. So they tried to say that AEG Live hired the doctor, and so AEG Live was responsible for the doctor's actions, and that the wrongful death should be paid out by AEG Live. AG Live, of course, fought the fuck out of it in court, and all of this became a public court battle. They didn't settle. They took it to a fucking trial. Uh, AG Live did eventually win, but all of the details of this stuff is in there. The full autopsy. Talk about discovery. Yeah, and the autopsy of Michael Jackson revealed in discovery, it's a matter of public record, he did have a skin disorder that was responsible for all of the loss of pigmentation in his skin. It's called vitiglia. It's a All real of thing. It, really? Like he, and I mean, he mentions it in a second here. Whenever, uh, like if he just showed up, I mean, I like it, it eats the pigment. So he just had no pigment in his skin. So yeah. if he wasn't wearing makeup, like it's at first it was just blotchy of like parts would be black and parts would be nothing in there. By the time it run its course, it was translucent. Like you could see his veins if you were up close with him. Um, and so he just had a ton of makeup. Mm-hmm. And so for whatever reason, I don't understand how makeup works. Um, I think that they judged that it was easier to lighten the dark parts than darken the light parts. But that's what's going on. Yeah, that's wild. It, especially since he, I mean, he does the, I didn't do that. But why don't we talk about the flip side of people who are doing that? Yeah. Like, no, that's that, just an odd that to me shows to go on like it's 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 like he's he says it is like a you know like he's a fucking lawyer in court being like well i think i've uh dusted your case yeah and it's such a dumb point it it that's my that's exhibit a for he's kind of a simple guy yeah uh you know i i don't think that he's the world's most advanced thinker um but i i think it's really significant that one of the things that like, I, I grew up fairly certain that he was ashamed of being black and was getting surgeries to remove the fact that he was. And whether or not he was ashamed of being black, I mean, I don't have any more evidence than what he said just there, uh, you know, where he's like, of course, I'm not ashamed. I love who I am. I think it's awesome. Uh, so I'm inclined to take him in face value, in part because the other thing is provable and it's a settled issue. He he was not bleaching his skin. He was not getting surgeries to to do that kind of stuff. Uh, you know, he had a skin disorder that he couldn't control. Consider it settled. Yeah. So I I just I I think it then causes you to look at some of the other things and like I I would have sworn like if you asked me like to rank the things he's lying about in here I think I would have put that one. Yeah. Uh, but he's not. So maybe the rest of the stuff. I mean. Obviously, he did lie about some things because I believe those fucking kids. Yeah. Um, but it it throws it into doubt for me. Not not the kids stuff, but like the elephant man stuff. And yeah. The, you know, the I chamber. Mean, 
Yeah, I mean, if Oprah says she couldn't find the chamber, I believe Oprah. Oprah wouldn't lie to me. It's a big house. Yeah. Your, the color of your skin start to change. Oh boy, I don't. Sometime after Thriller, mm-hmm. around off the wall Thriller. And what did around. you think? I mean, you—it's in my family. My father said it's on his side. I can't control it. I don't understand. I mean, it makes me very sad. I don't want to go into my medical history because mm-hmm. that's something that's private. But mm-hmm. that's the situation here. So mm-hmm. please, when people see so, something okay. like that, I just that, want to get this straight. Yeah. You are not taking anything to change the color of your skin. Oh, God, no. You did not purposely. We're trying to control it. And using makeup mm-hmm. evens it out because it makes blotches on the skin. And I have to even out my skin. Mm-hmm. But you know what's funny? Why is that so important? Mm-hmm. You know, that's, that's not important to me. I'm a great fan of art. I love Michelangelo. Mm-hmm. If I had a chance to talk to him or read about him, I would want to know about what inspired him to become who he is, the anatomy of his craftsmanship, not about who he went out with last night, or why he decided to sit out in the sun so long. What's mm-hmm. wrong with, I mean, that's what's important to me. How much plastic surgery have you had? Very. Hell yeah. I mean, dude, she just daggers, daggers, I know. daggers. Ask the questions America wants to know. No, but I I think the Michelangelo point is great. Yeah, no, that, I've yeah, I totally agree. And, and I'm not, I mean, obviously, I'm not surprised that someone in his situation feels that way because he's given the world so much. And rather than just being about that, people want to know everything else. And if they don't know it, they'll make it up or they'll run with something. But I do agree. Yeah. Yeah. I I wonder. I mean, I this is I, just, I guess I just come back to his team probably didn't want him doing interviews at all. But you're Michael fucking Jackson. If you want to do 20 interviews where the only thing people ask about is that, I think it's pretty easy to set up. Like, not even in, like, a controlling and telling the questions are off limits kind of thing. Just find the people in the world who you think would ask stuff like that. There's journalists out there working that are interested in things of that nature. You know, I mean, like, no offense, Oprah. Oprah's not one of them. Like, she's not going to break down your music. Like, uh, you know, if I were Kanye and I felt that way, uh, I would only grant interviews to the uh, dissect guy. Like, yeah. he would never fucking ask about like, so why'd you and Kim split up? He yeah. would be like, so this chord change, like, wh- what made you do that? Uh, this can be done, um, but yeah, no, I, I think he's right, and it it's a delicate dance they're both doing, and they're both doing it exceptionally well. Like the way, like because she's asking rude questions, and yeah. it only gets worse from here. Um, and does I mean you know she's Oprah. Like she does it with a light touch, all it's the same time. It's also not a light touch. It's impressive. Uh, but he also, I you know, he's talking about her. Like the like, why don't you ask? Like I made fucking thriller, bitch. Like have, you don't have any questions. Yeah. About what it was like. You see the Super Bowl halftime show. You just want to ask about where I sleep. Okay, fucking fine. We can do that. Uh, yes. I I don't know that. Because I, I don't think he's talking just about her. I don't even think that it's like foremost in his mind, but I would say she obviously fits the... Sure. But he's not saying like, Oprah, why are you doing this? He's like, you know, he's like the just press. doing a, an analogy about Michelangelo. Yeah. You know, he's saying if I were Michelangelo, I wouldn't want to ask about this kind of stuff. And then she's like, okay, interesting point. Anyways, Who broke plastic surgery. Yeah. <laughs> Very little. Mm-hmm. Very, you can count them on two fingers. I mean... Let's say this. If you want to know about those things, tell the nosy people in the world. <laughs> but once we book. say it, once we say it, we don't have to say it anymore. Read my book, Moonwalker. It's in my book. Uh-huh. You know, 
let's just put it this way. If all the people in Hollywood uh -huh. who have had plastic surgery, if they went on vacation, there wouldn't be a person left in town. Mm. I think you might be right. I think I am right. I mean, <laughs> be empty. So did you start, okay, did you start having plastic surgery because of those teen years, because of not liking the way you look? No, not really. Not really? No, it's only two things. Really, get my book. It's no big deal. Okay. You don't want to tell me what it is? You had your nose done, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> so did a lot of people. <laughs> yeah. That's a laugh And so when you hear all these things about you, and there have been more than we but are I've even never had my cheekbones done, never had my eyes done, never had all that my lips done and all this stuff. They just go too far. I mean, it's mm -hmm. crazy. But this is something that happens like every day mm -hmm. with other people. Are you pleased now with the way you the way I'm you never look? pleased with anything. I'm a perfectionist. Part of who I am. Uh -huh. Yeah. That's a tough statement to hear. That was it, folks. The longest clip ever played in IJB history. <laughs> 11 minutes, 47 seconds. I kind of thought of it as a bunch of little clips. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, you know, I like. I was like, I could have cut this up into five things, but like I wouldn't have taken anything out. Yeah. So might as well just stop and start. I do have one more thing left. But yeah, no, I just... I don't know. Uh, he's right. Lots of people get plastic surgery. I think that probably the remarkable thing is just that they didn't do that great a job. Yeah, for somebody it's unsettling who had to look at, that kind of opinion. money. And so, I mean, I, I, I shouldn't say this because you just had the proof on the pigmentation thing. But, I mean, I feel like he, what he means is I've had it done on two, two places on my face. Yeah, he's saying he's had plastic surgery twice. Right. When really I think he means like, oh, it was just my nose and whatever else he's talking about. That I mean, his nose just looks like it had a dozen surgeries. Yeah. And maybe that's exacerbated. I mean, if it came out looking like that, I'd tell him to try again. Yeah, and maybe that's exacerbated by the pigmentation thing. So whenever you see something that just looks kind of unfamiliar, everything else taken in some looks a little more off. I don't know, but it was unsettling as you said at best <laughs> yeah um so oprah's asked of a number of direct questions here is uh perhaps the most direct have you ever been in love yeah mm -hmm. with brooke shield yes and another girl <laughs> and another girl <laughs> i'm going to ask you this and it's embarrassing for me to ask you this but i'm going to ask you anyway are you a virgin <sighs> How could you ask me that question? I, I'm just, I just want to know. I want to know. I'm a gentleman. You're a gentleman. I'm a gentleman. So I'm a gentleman. So, th okay. So, I would interpret that to mean pussy. that means that you believe or, that a lady is a lady and yeah. therefore. That's something that's private. I mean, you know, shouldn't be spoken about openly. You can call me old fashioned if you want, but, you know, to me, that's very personal. <laughs> So you're not going to answer it. I'm embarrassed. <laughs> <laughs> so you're not going to answer it. Well, we would like to know whether or not there is a possibility that you are going to. Yeah. So just her, I, I included that. So you would, I, I wanted to end on the, so you're not going to answer it. But I, I wanted to, I wanted everyone to know that he doesn't say anything to that. No, no. And I, I sometimes forget about the Brooke Shields deal. Um Yeah. There was a uh, what's going on there? there wasn't really any audio that was worth pulling from this part but randomly like yes. Elizabeth Taylor surprises him and comes into the house and sits down in the 
Like, Cheer. shortly after this, she starts pressing him about Elizabeth Taylor. Like, you know, did you guys have a thing or whatever? Would you, like, did, I heard you propose to her. Did you propose to her? Yeah. And, he well, ends, and he's like, no, nah, you know, I, I would have loved to. She's a great lady, but no, I never did. <laughs> she's like, we got a surprise for you. <laughs> yeah. And then here comes Elizabeth Taylor. It's like, she just... In the back? Like she just in, in his the, house. In his house. It does not seem like he knows it. No. And they don't not have a chair all. for her. No. So he just gets up and, and stands. stands behind her <laughs> while Oprah asks her like three questions. And the cameras don't like you can't see Liz Taylor. Yeah. It's just a tight shot of his face as Liz Taylor's answering questions about him. Then she just leaves. <laughs> yeah. Thank you, Liz. We'll uh, we'll see you now. It was so weird. It's insane. It was so weird. There's just, there's so much in this interview. Yeah, I mean, I think it's safe to say nothing like this could ever exist again. No. I mean, it's just, no, for it's a million just not different possible. reasons. Yeah. Some, the level of fame that's unattainable, the level of fame that's unattainable without everybody knowing so much about your life, uh, not just made up, social media, your own posts. Uh, I mean, it's like a big deal now. If if a particular celebrity is like off the internet for a month, yeah, like what happened? Yeah, speculation is running, running rampant. They haven't tweeted. Are they dead? Yeah, exactly. He's like, no, nah, I'm just gonna not talk to anybody for 14 years, and then I'll just show up and do a live interview. Yeah, it's incredible. It's absolutely incredible. Yeah, no, just the the perfectionism stuff. Uh, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out where that's coming from. But like, ultimately, what he's saying there is that he's never felt satisfied with any part of his life. Yeah, and it's obvious it's because his dad told him everything he did was shit. Yeah, and the ability to feel good about doing a good job was totally taken from him, which he doesn't have it. Ties into the abuse to make you uh to make you practice and to make you perform. Don't think it's necessary, but I also think it probably does. I mean, you know, if I think you about have like Dirk that, and Holger, you know? Yeah. Like to the extent that like Holger was you Dirk will joke about it, and I think the difference is is that it wasn't his parent. So yeah. he still had like the centering force of his parents, but then he had like this psychopath hard ass that, you know, handled that part of his development. But if you don't have, if one of that is your parent or two, if you don't have a parent to help you with that, I could see how that would mess you up. Yeah. Pretty badly. Yeah. And I mean, you know, you if you have talent and you have that, like nothing's ever good enough, then, you know, you might make thriller, but yeah. like you're, you're going to have an awful life. You might get surprised um, by Elizabeth Taylor on television. <laughs> you might. They uh, they talk in there about the Motown 25th anniversary. I went back and watched that. Uh, it's amazing. Like, he and his brothers get back together. One of them is still refusing to do it, but the rest of them are there. And then it's, uh, it's the first time he moonwalks. That's when he debuted the moonwalk. Oh, wow. And I don't, I would love to know more about the entire performance because I think that they say, like, this is a cool surprise. So I don't know there could have been advanced press coverage because when he moonwalks, the crowd reacts. Like, they're like, oh, shit. Uh, and so, to, like, it is such a cultural thing, but it's the kind of thing where. At all of his subsequent shows, the audience knows it's coming, so they're building up. So the reaction is one of like releasing anticipation. If you don't know that the dance exists, yeah. then having that kind of anticipation release because you've been waiting your entire life for it but didn't know it yet, <laughs> like <laughs> I need to see that. Uh, it's it's cool. Um, 
but like he he talks about that that uh you know Oprah's like that was amazing and he's like I thought it was shit. I thought it was terrible. Of course. Until uh, I, whenever I was walking out, a kid said that he thought it was cool. And I know the kids don't lie. So then that kind of calmed me down. And that was, I just thought that was an interesting insight into his his mind, you know? Of yeah. Like, and I'm, that's why he's got the kids around, surely, right? Is like, you know, he, the only part of himself he's, he, that he has can only communicate on that level so anything an adult is saying to him, it's landing the same way that like the fucking studio engineer, whenever he was a nine year old and he just wanted to be in his fucking school classes. Yeah. Uh, and they're like squawking at him about like, you A&R know, people taking and, an octave up. Yeah. Uh, you know, that that's that's what he, adult interactions mean to him now still. And so, you know, the, the only thing he's able to process and really connect with is that stuff he didn't have. And so, I, Yeah. I don't know. It's uh, he's there's a lot going on up there. Ron Burkle, huh? <laughs> like when you're just that's the compl- like. Can't that- you just go before a judge and be like, put him in jail? And the judge is like, what's your evidence? He bought fucking Neverland. <laughs> he's an Epstein guy who bought Neverland. Like it's, uh, it's like in a Talladega Nights. Whenever uh, the first time that uh, Sasha Baron Cohen's character shows up and plays jazz on the jukebox, and everyone freaks out, and he's like, "Why do you even have jazz then?" And the bartender's like, "Profiling purposes. <laughs> That's why yeah. we allow Neverland to continue to exist, about, so that if anyone buys it, we jail them." You're heavily associated with Epstein, and you're like, "I want the kitty park." He's looking you directly <laughs> in the eyes, American, saying. Yeah, I fucking did it. Come at me. See how that goes for you. <laughs> Come see me at Old Neverland Ranch. Come see Papa Ron. Like, yeah, I, that's another thing about if this interview aired today. With the way the the, the public discourse around uh, child molestation, I just I think that there would be a January 6th-like event <laughs> if, if there was a Michael Jackson figure that gave an interview like this. You are definitely correct. You are definitely correct. And it's like, it's done by... Uh, and if it was with him, like, uh, you know... I guess it would still be Oprah. They'd probably... Yeah, it probably would still be Oprah. Yeah. Uh, you know, it would... Uh, they, they might be doing good if they went to go liberate Neverland. There were kids <laughs> that, you know, needed to get out of there. Ooh. Well, good times. That was a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you made it all the way this through, through, through our best episode, I would just tell everyone... Put a lot of effort into this. Tell your friends, dude. I want this to be a big thing. I want fucking... I mean, front page morning news. I don't think that's unreasonable. I'm not even saying the times, dude. I'm just talking about the morning news. Could it just be mentioned alongside your other podcast? <laughs> we'll see if they'll add an addendum <laughs> to, uh, to the article. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, see ya, you chugs. That's it for tonight. The high school special is next, so until tomorrow. For everyone who's been a part of this one, I'm TC and Jake. We do thank you for watching. Good night.